You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Berberich. We're back with another edition of the Masters of Brand Masters miniseries, recorded on site at the 2023 ANA Brand Masters Conference in Bonita Springs, Florida. Today is part two of my discussion with Ramon Soto, CMO of Northwell Health, and Scott Goodson, CEO and founder of Strawberry Frog, where we break down the keys to cultivating and maintaining an effective brand agency relationship. We also discuss the advantages and challenges of marketing as a nonprofit organization. So obviously, Northwell and Strawberry Frog have an incredibly dynamic relationship, and I would just love to talk about that a little bit. I'd love to hear from both of you. What is one key element of cultivating and maintaining a great brand agency relationship? I'll start on this one, and Scott and I were reflecting on this yesterday. I think I benefit from starting in the agency world when relationships were different, and we had partners. Mm. And uh, when we did our review for our agency, I very purposely was not looking for a transactional relationship. I was not looking for a vendor. I was looking for a like-minded individual, a like-minded shop who would push us in our thinking. It arcs back to where we started. Healthcare needs to move in a different direction. And we're, we're just not good at this. It's, there's a tremendous amount of convention in there. And how, how do you have partners and individuals who help you build this coalition that is going to break that status quo and push it into a different direction. So that was criteria that Scott didn't know about, but I remember when we had our agency review, Scott was in the room and I asked him the question, why should we hire your agency? And uh, he gave a, a really thoughtful answer. And then towards the end of the meeting, he said, why should I work with you as a client? And I loved it. It was a, I'm gonna push you out of the gate. It wasn't this kind of, meek relationship. It's, we come at it as equals. Uh, he brings his really thoughtful experience and philosophy. And we bring this challenger mentality. And, and through the union of the two, we create thoughtful but different work. It is, and it's truly the road less traveled. Quite frankly, in this case, it's the road never traveled. But it's, it's a powerful road to help. Everything Ramon said, I think, is 100% true. It's based on coming together of like-minded minds and uh, being able to have an intellectual challenge and bring experience. You know, both of us have been doing this for 30 years, so I think we have a lot, 60 years of experience. Um, there are a couple other things I think are important. One is, you know, honesty. Whatever happens, Ramon and I need to tell each other the truth, and everyone in our teams the same. Trust and mutual forgivings of mistakes, which are unavoidable on both sides. Absence of fear. No one can do great work or dare to you know, think outside the box with a sword of Damocles hanging over your head. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Acknowledge jobs well done and have fun together. Mutual agreement that carrots produce much better and thoughtful work than sticks. Openness from whatever, wherever ideas come from, and they often come from clients or from Ramon. And then close involvement from the top of both organizations so that we don't lose track of what we're trying to achieve. 
And then finally, I think an unwavering commitment to the movement that you set out to do. And so you're constantly motivating your teams to keep delivering on that. I think those things are key. They might add some recommendations for your listeners on what makes a great relationship over time. Incredibly well said, both of you. And I just want to kind of, both of you touched on it in a slightly different way, but I've already heard this from another brand agency here at this very conference. The idea that the client's always right, I think has put the brand agency relationship into such a bad and ineffectual place that pushing each other, being completely transparently honest with respect, but being completely transparent and honest, I think that that is key. I think that making the client happy lead you down a road to where nobody knows even what we're doing here. And I think that that was just so well said from both of you. So thank you very, very much. So you said you're the largest in a very, very competitive market. Sure. And I know that a, a lot of your competitors are nonprofit, but some of them are for. I would just love to know from your vantage point, what is the top advantage and the top challenge of being a nonprofit organization in terms of marketing? Sure. So health systems in New York and most of them nationally are not-for-profit organizations. Um, and historically, the business model uh, did not rely on very strong marketing. You would stand up your physical plant and you get your natural traffic. The whole industry, because the, of the external pressures, is experiencing margin compression and heightened competition. So a lot of individuals, a lot of organizations fighting for margin to drive mission. That creates an environment where how you build your relationship with individuals outside of your institution, how your brand is understood in helping them when they do have a health event get better becomes really important. So the entire industry nationally has gone through an upgrade cycle on, on marketing. I think the challenge is the muscle is a weak muscle. It's not a very well-used muscle. And in most institutions, they're either run by doctors or, or doctors are important constituencies, and they can vote you off the island, right? So, and they oftentimes believe they have the answer. And so showing them, helping them understand the art and power and science of marketing and doing it in a really thoughtful way, that that is a change management curve. So if you are to be successful in this category, you have to be one-third business partner, one-third change agent, one-third marketer. And you have to show up with an ability to lead the organization to a different place. Otherwise, Scott would be getting orders that come from the top down, as opposed to, hey, we have a challenge. Let's think about how we generate diversity of thought and then unity of action. And I, I got lucky. I, I went to an institution that, as we started, wanted to break the status quo, believes itself to be a challenger brand, just had never really tapped into the skill set and was willing to invest in it. So as a not-for-profit, margins are thin. I think that's the challenge. And when you spend $50 million, $100 million, even as a $16 billion organization, you're making real decisions on, do I open up a clinical facility here, or do I invest in a campaign there? Right. And what's the ROI and the value of pushing my message out in the market and having a relationship with consumers? So we, you have to do a tremendous amount of homework to show the value so that you get the permission to spend the dollars of the institutions. And a lot of institutions really see it as cost mm -hmm. as opposed to investment. 
with a return associated with it. Uh, so I, I think healthcare has a long way to go to really occupy the place that it needs. Healthcare overall, most people don't know this, it's almost 20% of the US economy. It's $4 trillion industry. It's ridiculously large. And think about how important it is. You know, We have to get to a better place in building relationships with consumers. All right, gentlemen, we're going to pivot the podcast a little bit. We ask uh, all of our guests the following three questions. This first one is open-ended by design. What are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Diversity, equity, and inclusion is so important to healthcare because we have to look like the community we serve, period, full stop. And uh, New York is the most diverse market in the world. Queens specifically, by the way, and it is, Queens is our most important market. We have more volume in Queens than any place else. Here's the challenge. Uh, I think we just started this journey, and um, you know, we have 5,000 physicians. 75% of them are white and male. How do you build the pipeline? How do you do the recruitment? How do you do the training? How do you do the engagement to have the value creators of the future who represent your institution? If you looked at all 85,000 employees, 75% of them are women. If you looked at the leadership structure, it's more like 40%. So are you there in terms of the composition of your workforce um, being at the, the right balance? I would say this is a journey and we're making really good headway, but there's really quite a bit of work to do. With that said, I believe we won one from Diversity Inc., the most diverse health system in the United States. You know, there's we have a CEO who believes it and who's leading through action. I was one of his major hires eight years ago. I'm Hispanic, and it was less about who I was but my skill set. And I think that's the right model. It's do you have the capability to help the organization propel, and do you have the connection to the communities that we serve? that benefit our organization. It's, it's um, still have a long way to go though. Very well said, very well said. Scott? Uh, I mean, I, I think it really has to start, it should really be like IDE. Mm-hmm. So it really should start with like inclusion as a sort of a fundamental starting point. Because then you can, once you realize you need to bring everyone in, then you can think about, okay, how do we do it in a way that gives everyone you know, an, an, an opportunity so I think for me personally, that's important to start there. And, and also this whole thought of movement is where you're trying to bring all different types of voices in. The other thing is, you know, when you, when you live and you work in, in New York City, in Manhattan, it is such a diverse community and society. I mean, the United States is a diverse society, of course, but you can't get away from the fact that that's reality in New York. Having said that, you do need to lean in to help people who may historically not have had opportunities, particularly in the marketing space, right? It's not that long ago that everybody working, you know, when I first worked in, when I first touched marketing, advertising, I was nine years old. My dad brought me to New York City and we went to visit uh, an advertising agency because my dad from Canada was doing the marketing for the Bahamas Tourist Bureau. And we had to go down and meet. I think it was Y&R. And we went into this building and we took the elevator up to the top and out we came and there was this blonde, tall woman who met us and the floor was empty. And then she brought us into this room and there was this handsome, tall, white dude with his, you know, kind of leaning against this huge credenza and he had a huge sofa and he asked us to sit down. 
And this guy was like only middle management. He wasn't even at the top of the company. And that was the world. It was like white and I think, you know, to, to give opportunities to women, to different ethnic groups, you really need to, to lean in and give them opportunities. We've always tried to do that at Strawberry Frog. And that means bringing people in, giving them opportunities and training them. It also means having the systems in place. So for example, it's very difficult to be a woman professional if you don't have the ability, for example, to be a mother, right? And having yes. systems in place to ensure that you can be a, a happy and thriving parent as well as a professional. So, you know, parental leave in New York State is three weeks, right? So you need to be realistic about what it takes to give, for example, women the opportunity to be equal in terms of men in the organization. So those types of policies are critical, and I don't think you can really, you're, you're basically fighting with one arm behind your back if you're limiting the opportunity for the brightest minds to come in and do great things by not having the systems and structures and support. Love it. You know, let me add one point to what Scott said, because I think there's really value in the perspective he's bringing. I would add, there is a supply and demand issue in our industry. And we just don't have enough diverse talent. On the gender side, I feel like we're better. But in terms of people of color really representing our business and being a better in our business, I personally mandated diverse slate for every open position. It gets hard, though. It gets hard to find the talent. So you know, we, we have to deal with the supply side of that issue and get people into the industry give them the exposure, give them the skill set so that they can thrive and be there to change the face of the industry. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that that's a really critical thing about the going upstream in the pipeline. Like, you can't just shrug your shoulders. Well, this is the system we live in because Absolutely. what is that getting you? It's getting you nothing. And there will be a tipping point. This The future, That why I ask every guest this is because this is where we're headed, unquestionably, into a more and more and more and more diverse world. Mm -hmm. And at one point, there's going to be a fall off the cliff moment for brands that just kind of shrug their shoulders and be like, eh, doing what the system's given us. So I pat myself on the back. So, I mean, uh, can you imagine? There, there's a company that I won't mention who they are. They're in the professional services space. Everyone in that organization are typically, they're like white males. And they're sitting there trying to bring in new clients from, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Like, how does that work? Yeah. Right? How are you, who are you meeting? What are their, how do you understand those, that diversity that exists and increasingly so in these large organizations? Mm -hmm. It's just amazing to me. The Certified ANA Marketing Professional, or CAMP, program is a rigorous 35-hour online certification program developed specifically with the ANA marketer in mind. Covering the entire marketing process from brand strategy and activation to marketing implementation across digital and analytic platforms, CAMP represents the full spectrum of the marketing universe. To begin your certification, go to ana.net slash CAMP future. All right, gentlemen, sometimes this is the easiest question on the podcast and sometimes it's the hardest. So we're about to find out which of the above this is. Ramon, we're starting with you. Excellent. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> Ramon Soto, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Northwell Health. What's your favorite album of all time and why? 
So this is, this is a great question, and I reflect it. I, I, I have to put context around it. So I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. I owned a pair of parachute pants when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> I actually used to have long hair and uh, had a perm, too. So uh, hopefully oh, this. Amazing. Thank God there's no visual. Can you find those? Say, if you yes. Google online, can you find them? You cannot. Photograph? I do have a picture, though, that I will never share. Um, so my first album ever was uh, ACDC Back in Black. All right. Uh, classic. Loved it. But that is not my favorite album. My favorite band was The Police. Uh, mm. And I used to have uh, a middle school friend who was uh, from the UK. And he would uh, buy albums and have them imported to the States. So I had access to The Police way before they had become popular. So. Uh, I would have to argue anything that's police-related, whether it's Zenyatta Mandata, Ghost in the Machine, Regatta de Blanc, uh, all of their albums are classics and, and super powerful. So Sting is playing at your at the Northwell Jones Beat venue this summer. I know he is. For September. Yes, we should get tickets. Something tells I, me. I already have tickets. Yeah, I, think you say. <laughs> I have Sorry, an Scott. invitation. Uh, what? <laughs> Nothing's an accident, Scott. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> if... A podcast host, for example, were to make you pick one police album. Uh, I'd have to say Zenyatta Madada. That uh, their early work, I think, was like the rawest and the mm -hmm. best, and just uh, this really interesting uh, cross section of punk and rock. Just and and just a different sound for the time. Loved it. Excellent, excellent, Scott. I mean, I uh, I, I I like nostalgia, but I, I'm going to go with the new album. Ooh. So uh, there's a a singer from Sweden that I love. Her name is Freya the Dragon. And she has an album called Midnight Feelings that is just mind-blowing. It's like a mixture of Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush. Okay. And it's amazing. You can find it on Spotify. She actually did, we were very fortunate to have her. She did a, we did a commercial during COVID for Northwell where she did one of the songs and it's absolutely harrowing. If you look on YouTube, for the Northwell COVID spot that we did in the middle of, like I think just as COVID was descending on Manhattan, she did the recording in Sweden and it gives me goosebumps every time I hear that voice. It's just, like I said, harrowing. Um, so that's my favorite album. Love it, love it. And get on the YouTubes immediately after you finish this episode and check that out. Let's bring this up to the current day. Is there something you're listening to now, be it an artist, a song, a podcast, maybe a book? What's getting you excited nowadays? I just finished a book uh, called Power Failure. Uh, I, I believe the, the author is William Cohen, uh, Wall Street Journal author. And it is, it's the history of GE and it's the demise of GE. And, and I, I spent seven years there. I loved the organization. I knew many of the actors that they were talking about. It's a fabulous book and it's a fabulous read. So you feel like you're getting a little bit of an MBA lesson while you're listening to it. But it's more like a murder mystery. Like who actually killed GE? Oh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I won't ruin the ending for anybody. It's complicated and a sad story that, you know, an iconic institution had such a, a fatal demise. Um, but a great book, nonetheless. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, Ramon just told me about that. I'm going to start reading that as well. I'm reading uh, Sally Sussman. She's the chief communication officer of Pfizer. She, just, she has a book on the, uh, called Breaking Through. And it's basically catalogs how they dealt with the COVID 
vaccine, how they came in the market, the issues of cultural wars, how that affected the way that they were getting into the marketplace. Because, you know, like uh, a lot of scientists and professionals in pharmaceutical companies, they became a target, which is, you know, unbelievable. If you think about where we were, you know, hoping that we would get a vaccine <laughs> to solve it, and all of a sudden they become like the enemy. So it's a fascinating sort of journey through all of those complexities. And I think what's something that Ramon actually talks a lot about is through in crisis management, it's not a soft skill anymore. You really need to, again, be committed, but you have to tackle this because these are really complex issues. And you know, in the past, what, did, what was it? If you're head of communications, you were responsible for the annual report. Maybe you did a few you know, uh, CEO analyst calls. But today, anything can take things off the rail or be misconstrued. Or it could be, you know, if you don't tell the story, then someone else will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Gentlemen, this has been an absolutely incredible conversation. I'm going to leave you to take the stage and blow everybody's mind here at the ANA Brand Masters Conference. Thank you so, so much for being guests of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us next week when Pepsi CMO Todd Kaplan joins the podcast to share what it's like being at the helm of a truly massive brand and what he thinks will be the next big disruption in marketing. The Marketing Futures Podcast airs Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the podcast, shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, find what you need to future-proof your brand at ana.net slash futures. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.